2: welcome back to the bear report podcast my name is jeremy stoltz i'm the publisher of bearreport.com here today again with bears insider aaron lemming coming off the bears first victory of the season how do you feel today
3: man that was a a wild game yesterday i I don't know uh i wish i could say i'm overly happy, but I'm, I'm not, I mean, not that it's a bad thing, but it was, that was just, man, it was a lot to take in for that wild of a game.
2: Yeah, it was an ugly win, um, you know, but I think just based on where the Bears are right now in terms of talent injuries, I don't think there's any other way for them to do it, and I think they have to win in certain areas, in order for them to win, and that's and obviously not going to be in the passing attack. But I thought, you know, and we'll get into this in more detail. But I thought they won in special teams. I thought they obviously won uh, along the in the trenches. I thought Strato's offensive line was amazing. The run game was amazing. So um, defense, uh, another good week. So we'll discuss all of that. But uh, yeah, Bears' first victory of the season. Not what you and I expected. I think we both had them double digit losses in our predictions. Correct.
3: Yeah, I think I had mine 27 to 13 or 27 14, something like that. So I, I think
2: I went like totally ridiculous with like 31 to 10 or something like that. So I apologize to the Chicago Bears for my lack of faith uh, in their ability to, to get it done. But uh, let's uh, to stress a few things before we get back to the game. Um, a couple of injuries from the contest. Uh, looks like Quentin Demps has a broken arm. Uh, Bears haven't officially said if he's going to go on IR, but I would (laughs) be shocked if he doesn't. And that's going to end his season. And he was the, you know, hadn't made a lot of plays, uh, you know, wasn't the playmaking guy that he was uh, last year when he had, I think, six interceptions. But uh, I I think he had an impact in terms of of lining guys up and just having that veteran presence back there, helping out Eddie Jackson, giving him, uh, raising his comfort level on the back end. And uh, I think, you know, I don't think it's a huge loss, but, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the guy that's replacing him, Adrian Amos. So h- how do you feel about this?
3: I think, I mean, it's definitely an injury to a starter, but like you said, I don't think it's a huge loss. I mean, if you really look at what Quentin Demps did over the first three weeks, it really wasn't much. I mean, he was he was brought in to be that playmaker to get turnovers, and the Bears secondary still didn't have a turnover. So, and but I'm with you. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Adrian Amos, so... I I think as long as they they keep Amos as a strong safety and he's not sitting out there in single high and you know having to cover a lot, I think he'll be all right because he's decent run support. I mean he's really not bad, but his biggest liability is coverage. So I I think this definitely takes away a little bit of the versatility that they have with their safeties, but at the same time, I think Eddie Jackson's a much better free safety anyway. Uh, but I, I just don't see this as being some huge thing and. It's kind of weird, though. John Fox said that they're not even sure they're going to put him on IR. It's like, dude, he broke his arm. Like, this is probably going to be, a what, a six or seven week thing?
2: Yeah, I don't understand how he'd break his arm and still come back, but... You know, again, we you, you kind of have to take things that John Fox says about injuries with a grain of salt, you know, and wait for the official things to come out. So, uh, but I do, uh, yeah, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, your point about limiting their options at the safety position, you would think that that would be the case. But I, I bet you anything that Vic Fangio doesn't see it that way. I mean, he knows that a, what Amos' limitations are in coverage, and he's probably, uh, you know, going to get him in the box more often than he would uh, with with Demps, but I, I think that you know they're probably going to put him in a lot of positions where he is going to have to be out there one-on-one in uh, you know covering half a field, and he's going to have to learn how to make a couple of plays, and that's just not something that he's been able to do over the first couple of seasons. Again, like you mentioned, he's pretty good in the box. I like Amos uh, as a run defender. I think he, he plays a downhill brand of football, but I think that also, his aggressiveness against the run gets him caught up sometimes, and that's not good uh, for a guy like Eddie Jackson, uh, you know, having to make up for those mistakes. So hopefully Amos now, uh, you know, with all the starting he, experience he he's had over the first couple of seasons, uh, maybe that's, you know, helped him develop into a more uh, well-rounded player. But we are about to find out because, again, it looks like it's going to be Amos. And if he doesn't get the job done, the Bears have shown that they're not uh, afraid to pull him. You know, so they'll, they'll go to... Uh, to Deion Bush if they have to or one of the other safeties on the team. I mean, if if, if it comes down to it, uh, you know, they'll go they'll in a different direction. But we'll see. We'll see what Amos is able to bring to the table. Uh, the other injury, Ronis Grasu, uh, limited today in the mock uh, practice that the the Bears didn't actually conduct a practice. But if they had, uh, he would have been limited. Josh Sitton would have also been limited. So that's a step up, uh, at least in, in terms of Sitton, who was, uh, who, who was out all last week. But uh, you know, in terms of the offensive line, it didn't seem like the Bears missed sitting a whole lot. And even after Drassoon went down, it didn't seem like they were missing him. Do you think the just the presence of Kyle Long being out there, back at his old position, played a big role in the way that the the Bears' offensive line was able to dominate a strong, really strong uh, Pittsburgh front seven?
3: Well, here's something to keep in mind: the Steelers were very good against the run coming into this game. And the Bears really hadn't run the ball all that consistently, especially when you look at last week. So, yeah, I think Kyle Long, I mean, it's it's no secret that Kyle Long comes in the game all of a sudden they're able to start running the ball. Now, I think you touched on a good point, though. I think the Bears would be very smart on two different levels to keep Kyle Long at right guard. One, because Josh Sitton really hasn't looked that good at right guard, in my opinion, I and mean, he's more of a natural left guard anyway. And the fact is Kyle Long really didn't practice at all uh up until this last week and you know he really hasn't had a chance to make that switch so I think the Bears would be intelligent to keep them at their normal positions let uh Cody Whitehair stay at center man I mean just let let the dude stay at center he's been moved around so much I understand that versatility's value but I, I think as soon as they get sitting back, I really think as long as you know there's no injuries, that they need to keep these guys exactly where they were last year because they had a good, I mean they had a good interior line until you know Long went out and and I think we saw the value of Kyle Long coming back. I know quite a few people were kind of frustrated with his his injury and I think some people took his injury and somehow forgot how good he was. I mean this is somebody who was what a three time Pro Bowler before last year, so. Uh, I mean biggest key to the Bears offense right now and really the only thing that they can do right is run the ball and I think you know having that interior line especially is going to be key for the move forward
2: yeah, and I think it brought up a good point about Whitehair being at center you know he started the game at, at left guard where we've seen him uh, over the past couple of weeks, just due to injuries, and again, he, you know, we talked about it last week. He's not as good of a guard as he is at center. So the the injury to Drasou, I, I honestly think, was a blessing in disguise. That was able to get Whitehair uh, back to his best position, and you put him alongside Kyle Long. You know that's where the Bears were able to run the football pretty efficiently. Now the Bears were also able to run the a lot of their most big runs came on the left side. So you have to give Charles Leno and Bradley Soule uh, a lot of credit for coming in there and opening up holes too. Especially you know Soule, a guy who really hadn't played for, hasn't played for the Bears all year, and you know was moved inside. I think I, I think he, he he switched in between tackle and guard during training camp. So uh, you know for them to be able to get, run behind him and and, and shuffle all those guys around and still still pound the football like they did i i I think a lot of it has to do with long being out there probably just in a more of like a a mentality thing i mean he just brings some nastiness to the team i think that's probably infectious to the rest of the guys and i think that probably you know raised the level of play of some of his teammates potentially but like you said steelers were shutting down rushing attacks before that game and the bears had no trouble i mean those those two last i mean again we'll, we'll we'll start off uh, we'll get to the game here in a second, but those last two runs by Jordan Howard, uh, the 18-yarder and the 19-yarder to finish the game, uh, did it? Did it, he even get touched? Uh, you know, obviously he got tackled on the 18-yarder, but I mean, those are huge holes on both those runs. You remember?
3: Oh yeah, I actually just went back and watched a game uh, again not too long ago. All 22 still not out, which is frustrating. NFL Game Pass, please start putting it out oh, on Monday me, so I can watch it. Tell me
2: about it. That's been the bane of my yeah. I've been streaming about that for years. But go ahead.
3: Dude, it's, yeah, it's it's rough, but yeah, no. I going back and watching it. I think uh, on both both plays, yeah. He, I mean, he was untouched. Obviously, you know, he got tackled on the on the one run, but on the touchdown run, he would not He would not touch. I mean, he. And that's the thing, and I think that's the biggest difference between Tariq Cohen and Jordan Howard right now as runners, is that Jordan Howard has a lot better vision. And and I think that's something that's a huge value because he's not limited to being an in between the tackles runner. I mean he can he can put it outside, he can do whatever he needs to do. But I think what's most impressive, especially in this performance, is the fact that his shoulder was an obvious issue and the fact that he was able to come out and it was obvious that he was trying to protect that shoulder but the fact that he was still able to do what he was able to do and i just kept thinking it's like man this is a jordan howard we saw last year and i think you know a lot of people were worried about teams stacking the box against howard and how that was going to affect him And i think the first two games people were kind of like oh man and me too i'm kind of wondering i was like okay well maybe last year might have been a flash in the pan i'm not really sure but I think what we saw was more of what we'll continue to see as the year goes on, especially as the quarterback position. I'm sure we'll touch on this later. Is it, it's it's so one dimensional right now? I mean, it's it's very evident what the Bears are going to do with the ball, especially on first down. I mean, you know, probably 90 95 percent of the time they're going they're going to run it. So, and I think that that just all the more praise to Jordan Howard for that. I mean, the fact that teams know what they're going to do. And he's still getting these these big, chunk yardages like this, and he's able to do what he's doing. And the biggest thing to me that I thought was impressive yesterday was the fact that he's actually breaking tackles, and he's actually running tough again. And that's one of his biggest values. He's a big dude. He's a powerful guy. And the fact that he was able to break a lot of tackles yesterday, make things keep going. I think there was a third down in there where it's like a third and two, and he got popped behind the line by two or three guys and somehow powered through. And was able to get like 10 or 15 yards. I mean, that was a Jordan Howard we saw last year.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, he did look like a, uh, he uh, did in his prime during his rookie season. What was so impressive about him was that he got knocked out of the game twice. You know he was dealing with some serious pain in that shoulder. Uh, you know, was holding his arm to, to his body in between plays. You could see him trying to avoid uh, hits on that shoulder as the game went on you know at certain after he got knocked out the second time I thought there's no chance they're going to put him back in and they he just kept going out there despite what he was going through physically and and was still finishing runs with power like you said looking like his old self I I worry about what that's going to do to him uh, on this short week but we'll talk about that in the next podcast but um, in that game he, he was the old Jordan Howard and he was despite the shoulder injury able a to carry the team put that offense on its back because he had to the, the passing attack was just ridiculous Howard actually ended up with 23 carries 138 yards six yards uh, per carry on the ground and had those two touchdowns also led the team with five receptions for 26 yards so pretty much was the entire not the entire offense and we'll get to Tariq Cohen as well but uh, you know Jordan Howard was about you know 70 65 70 percent of the offense yesterday so that great to see you just hope that. Uh, there's no long-term damage on that shoulder. The Bears didn't say anything about it, so I, I, I don't expect it to be. But you know, they're gonna need to, they're they're gonna need this time here coming up after this short week against the Packers. That's gonna be some really valuable time uh, for Jordan Howard to get get healed up. But in terms of uh, the game, you know, let's start. Let's start. I was gonna talk about the offensive line again, but let's let's uh, let's go over the game. Let's let's talk about what happened. How the Bears were able to pull off. Uh, the 23 17 upset to a team that they were, I think believe the Bears were seven and a half point underdogs going into this contest at home. And uh, got, got out to a real quick lead due to a muff punt by Eli Rogers. And once again, uh, you know, the longest tenured Bear, the guy who's always around the football, a guy who does his job probably better than anybody uh, on the team, Sherrick McManus, right there to recover the fumble. A few plays later, Jordan Howard plunged in from three yards. And that was really, you know, got uh, yeah, the, the. To me, that gave the Bears life. You know, I thought there was a good opportunity or, or a good chance that the Bears were going to come out and the Steelers were going to score uh, right away, but. uh you know, and trying to demoralize the Bears, and it was just going to snowball in the same way that it did against Tampa Bay. But defense got a three and out immediately, and we'll talk about the defense uh, in a bit. But the defense got a three and out immediately, and then uh, you know, after the Bears' offense wasn't able to do something, they got lucky with the with the muff punt, and that put them up right away. And all of a sudden, it gave them life, and like, hey,
3: we're actually in this game. Did you kind of feel it as a fan as well? You know, it was. I went into this game just. I wouldn't say disinterested yet because I'm not quite there but I wasn't overly confident um, but yeah it, it, and it's one of those things I, I think as Bears fans over the last few years ever since really lovey Smith left and Dave Taub left I mean there, there really hasn't been uh, a, a big element with special teams and it's like you see you see what happens and then you know they they you know the the Bears offense didn't look good and you're thinking here we go again and then that muff punt. And I mean, right there, Sherrick McManus is there. And it's like that was that was somewhat of a tone setter. But it's weird because I feel like there were so many different turning points in this game. And it was almost like a I don't know if I'd say an emotional roller coaster, but it's weird to see the Bears special teams making plays for them to really. I mean, in my opinion, I mean, they're kind of the reason that the, the Bears won the game.
2: I think you're absolutely correct. I mean, I think you can attribute 10 points, or it, honestly, really 13 points to Sherrick McManus alone based on, on on him recovering that fumble, being right there to recover that fumble because the Bears were able to score seven. So there's seven points because he was in, in doing his job in the right position. I mean, the, as soon as that muff putt was drawn, it went right to him. He was right there. Bam, there's seven points for the Bears. Gave him a lead. Now, uh, at the end of the half, and we're going to come back and, and talk about the things that happened before them. But at the end of the half, he was able to block that punt, and that ultimately should have been a ten point swing. Not only did it, did it take three points off the off the board uh, for the, the Steelers, it should have been a, a seven points for the Bears, if not for uh, Marcus Cooper, which we'll get into plenty of detail about here in a minute. Um, but you know that ended up being a six point swing right there because of the field goal. So you have seven points. Uh, from him getting that fumble and then six points from the uh, uh, block chick. I mean, that's that's the game right there. I mean, I think you're absolutely correct. And I think... You're, it's it is it's kind of shocking from the last couple of seasons where Jeff Rogers, the special teams coach, looked o- o- completely overmatched. And you know it seemed like there was a penalty every single time. Uh, the special teams unit was out there; they were always giving up big runs and the coverage units. They haven't done any of that. And I would honestly say that they, overall in every single phase, have been the most consistent uh, unit. You know, of the three phases: offense, defense, special teams. Special teams is actually. The, the, but you know, like I said, the most consistent. I think Jeff Rogers has done the best job of any of the Bears coordinators so far.
3: Yeah, I think it's it's very man. It's just it's different. I mean, there's really there's no other way around it. And I think I mean we talked about this going into the season, talking about in preseason and, and how the Bears were going to win games. And one of the things that we kept highlighting was the fact that their defense and their special teams were going to have to play at a high level. And I think you know when you talk about the special teams as a whole. Whether that be just the the better returns that they're getting or the plays that they're making, you know, whether that be Sherrick McManus and you know the the different things that happen in this game, and I think the biggest one for me so far that's been really eye-opening is their their coverage units have been yeah. really good. I mean, and that was something that we saw over the last few years, and it, I mean those are crippling. And the and the thing is with the Bears right now, especially with the, how poorly the offense has played and how one-dimensional it's been, I mean you're you're relying on special teams to control the field for you to be able to put you in good positions. I think Pat O'Donnell outside of one or two kicks has had a really good year. I think he's kind of, kind of finally turned the corner uh, outside of the one miss that Barth had. I mean, he's been pretty nails uh, so far. So I think really overall, they just, and and that's the other thing though, too. And I know a lot of fans when, when you were looking at the final roster, like why did you keep so many special teams guys? Why is Jarek McManus on the roster? Why is Josh Bellamy on the roster? This is why, because, the thing is, is okay, you can keep a guy, and I know this is kind of a sore subject with some fans, but you can keep a guy like, let's say, Tanner Gentry on the roster, or you can keep a guy, uh, you know, maybe an upside corner or an upside safety on the roster that isn't going to see the field and isn't going to be as good on special teams, or you can keep a guy like Sherrick McManish or Josh Bellamy or some of these other guys. And that's really what it comes down to because ultimately, I mean, we've just been talking about this, the special teams has been the most consistent unit for the Bears and been the most impactful. So... I mean, you're getting so much more value and so much more impact out of the bottom end of your roster by having known special teams players that are that are pro bowlers, especially a guy like Sherrick McManus, versus a guy that may have, you know, some upside and you know, let's say DeAndre Houston Carson or some of these other guys who didn't originally make the roster. And I think that's why people need to understand the importance of the bottom of the roster and why it's important to have these special teams guys here because it has impacted uh, the Bears so far. And that's one of the reasons that they are wanted to, that they've they won a game.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And another guy that you didn't mention in there was who they got back this week was Benny Cunningham, who had a big tackle in coverage late in the game. And I think you know you're right that this is we, we we discussed it in the preseason. We knew that if in order for the Bears to win games, especially for the, the passing attack, which we both didn't think was going to be very good, and we, we've been proven correct to the, to to this point, uh, you know it was going to take efforts. Uh, on the and every other phase, in order for the, the Bears to be able to win uh, football games, that includes the rushing attack, the defense, and special teams. And we'll get to the other two areas soon. But special teams, I think, overall with their with the coverage and abilities and the, the wise decisions of, of Deontay Thompson to not run the ball out too many times, and at least when he's been able to do it, he's had good enough blocking where he hasn't been stuffed at that like eight yard line. I mean, he brought the ball out a couple of times. Uh, in the in that game against the Steelers, about three four yards deep, and still was able to get out to about the twenty five yard line and didn't you know push the you know put the Bears uh, you know back into a corner. So you know the coverage has been good, the blocking has been good. Like you said, except for a few kicks, I think Patrick O'Donnell is having his best season as a pro. Uh, and Connor Barth, yeah, he did miss that field goal, but otherwise he's been fairly consistent since about like week five of last season. So uh, you got to give Jeff Rogers credit, and I think if this third phase continues to play well it's going to help keep the bears in these ugly contests and uh you know their their ability to get turnovers in the in this phase as well is going to be huge so uh credit goes to Jeff Rogers for sure uh but let's 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 go back let's talk about some of the things that happened here uh, early in the game the bears were able to get another turnover after that muff punt when uh Bryce Callahan blitzed off the corner and uh, stripped Ben Roethlisberger and bit over to a, a team Hicks dove for the ball and got on it um, I was, it was interesting to me that the Bears, you know, when they do blitz, it often comes... I think Callahan probably blitzes more than any anybody on the team. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I would say off from that nickel edge, he probably blitzes as much as anybody, but he, he rarely... Uh, has, he's really effective in that role. I mean, it almost looks like he's trying to get blocked a lot of times. And uh, this time, the st- Steelers just decided not to block him. And it almost seemed as if he didn't know what to do with himself for a second. And then he realized, oh my God, I have, I have a clear path to the quarterback. And he did the right thing. He he hit Roethlisberger just at the right time. Ball popped loose. And uh, the Bears were able to get the football unfortunately the offense couldn't do anything; or they couldn't get any points because of the barth miss field goal but uh good to see bryce callahan actually do do well in this game and callahan held uh smith uh, it was smith schuster was who they were using mainly out of the slide only had two catches well i want to say 30 yards or something like that so decent overall game by bryce callahan and i I guess that should you want to talk about the secondary then uh, as as a whole
3: yeah, I, th- I think we should because I think that's a big highlight in this game and something we haven't seen in a while.
2: Yeah, the secondary was—you uh, know—they were facing a huge test in—you uh, know—the downfield attack of Ben Roethlisberger, and we saw it right from the very start. The first pass of the game was a big uh, d- uh, downfield pass f- from Roethlisberger to, I believe, Martavis Bryant, and uh, ju- and he got and he got beat. He, uh, uh, I think it was Kyle Fuller in coverage, or it might have been Cooper, but. Marcus Cooper. Marcus Cooper. They got beat, and uh, that pass is about half a foot shorter. Martavis Bryant starts the game off with it with six points. Uh, so the Bears got very lucky on that first play, but from that point on, they did very good. Pro Football Focus put out uh, some numbers, and I mean, he was targeted ten times, or maybe it was nine times, gave up one reception for ten yards, and Roethlisberger had like a 37 QB rating when throwing at Cooper. Does that
3: sound about right? Uh I've actually got it right here in front of me. It was nine nine targets for one reception, ten yards. He had three pass defenses and uh, twenty six point zero coverage snaps to reception. I don't even know what that means, but the overall rating was a thirty nine point six uh, yeah. for Marcus Cooper in coverage.
2: Yeah, and he made some big plays. I mean, the, the that first play wasn't the only time that the Bears or the that Steelers went deep. And continually, even Kyle Fuller had a couple plays down the field where he was able to get a hand on the football. And, and Marcus Cooper, you know, both those guys stepped up. Now, Antonio Brown got his. He had 110 uh, receiving yards, but nobody else on the Steelers had more than 39 yards. And other than Antonio Brown, there was no real big threat. I mean, the Steelers only had 282 total yards. That that's ridiculous. I, if I were to guess that, you would have laughed at me at, at the podcast last week,
3: correct? Oh yeah, I, I think the the Bears secondary played great. I mean, you look at and this is something that the Bears secondary isn't causing turnovers yet, uh especially interceptions. But the one thing I think that we can attribute to a positive and hopefully moving forward is the fact that Marcus Cooper had three passes uh defended. I think Fuller and Amukamora both had two, and I want to say Callahan had one as well. So. I mean, there, there's definitely progress here, and the thing about Antonio Brown, dude's going to catch the ball. I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you are, who he's going against, he's going to catch the ball, but the fact that, I mean, you look at all the other receivers, I mean, he's not the only receiver on the team. Artavis Bryant actually went off last week against the Vikings, who I believe have better defense than the Bears, and and they were able to shut him down two catches for 30 yards, and, I mean, Juju Schuster only had two catches for 39 yards, so... I, I think as a whole, I think the Bears' the Bears uh, secondary played really well, and I think the biggest thing and why I'm so impressed with the secondary is one thing, and that's the fact that the Bears' pass rush has been awful. I mean, yeah. they have barely gotten any pressure. And, then, and when we're talking about an offensive line that had two guys out, I mean, they had uh, – it was a Marcus Gilbert and Ramon Foster went out halfway through the game, or not even halfway. It was after that, that sack of uh, that Callahan had, and – the fact that the secondary is holding up the way that they are, the fact that they're having to cycle in guys with Mucamora, uh the Fuller, and and Cooper. I mean, this is the best secondary we've seen the Bears have in quite some time. Not saying it's you know anything special. But I think it's a big development that we really haven't seen a front seven that's getting to the quarterback consistently in the secondary, still playing well as long as the offense isn't turning the ball over. Yeah, and I
2: think you brought up a good point about the fact that they are cycling in those corners. And what's so basically what happened in the game is Cooper and uh, Fuller started the game, and I think they got two series, then they switched uh, to Trooper and Mookamara. I think it was for two series apiece, and then it was Fuller and Amukamara with Cooper on the bench for two And that kept going throughout the game, uh, that rotation, no matter, you know, there was no they weren't playing any hot hand. Uh, even after Cooper's Troop, uh, dumb play, he was back out there as the starting cornerback in the second half. So uh, <clears throat> all three of those guys made plays. All th- I mean, all three of them had to step up on, on some deep passes. Amukamara uh, had a, a couple of really nice plays. And, like, we, we talked about Cooper. I mean, he used his size very well. Uh, one play that deep ball uh, where he was able to shoot if you go back and watch the tape it was a deep ball right near the uh, front pylon if you remember this play and uh, Amuk- or uh, Cooper used his body to kind of slow up and slow down Bryant without really you know causing any contact that would get a penalty but that allowed him to then make a break on the ball and go for it and nearly had the interception got both hands on it was a tough play but Uh, you know, you, you see a guy out there who, who knows what he's doing, uh, on the deep balls at least you know and and wasn't getting beat in that area and that was huge i thought to see guys all three cornerbacks or even four with callahan out there making plays it's something we haven't seen in a while and if it wasn't for them you know roethlisberger is going to have a much better day but he only had 235 yards and 82 rating uh on only one touchdown he only had a long pass of 25 yards i i would i would be interested to find out when the last time he had a game where his longest pass was only 25 yards this is this is an offense built on the deep ball, and the Bears pretty much took that away. So, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, you, you mentioned about the pass rush. They did get three sacks on Roethlisberger, so at least they weren't totally non-existent. But uh, the pass rush in general, I think the problem is that we're not seeing it from the guys that we expected it from. Specifically, uh, Leonard Floyd and a guy that I, I really thought was going to take a step forward, and Jonathan Bullard, both who have been pretty non-existent. I mean, there are no, no sacks in for the, uh, either of them. To this point, Um, Willie Young and Pernell McPhee both got a sack yesterday, which was great uh, to see. Especially Willie or uh, Pernell McPhee used a good rip move to turn the corner. Kind of looked like his old self on that sack, uh, which is good to see. But are you starting to get concerned about Leonard Floyd?
3: I'm not, and there's one reason why. I mean, he was in he was in pass coverage for 11 of yeah. his snaps yesterday, and I and I remember Fangio doing this in the beginning of last year too, because it was really it wasn't really until a little bit later on in the year where Floyd really started getting things together. Uh, but I just I don't understand that, I, and I understand that he, okay, he's an athletic dude, he's he's long, he's fast, he's your best pass rusher. Like why? Why 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 are you putting him in coverage so much? That's not that that just doesn't that doesn't seem like it's playing to your strength. And I guess I really shouldn't be complaining too much because the defense has played pretty well two out of the the, the first three games or whatever it may be. But it I, I don't know. It, it's just it's it's tough to understand why you would put your best best pass rusher, a guy that really should be a ten or fifteen second year guy into coverage that much. With that being said, I think he's going to be fine. I think it's just going to take that one game to break him out of it. And I think if I remember right, the bears, the bears, uh defensive line and front seven as a whole with a pass rush kind of started out a little slow last year too. And, Depending on what goes on and we'll preview that in the next week or whatever, but they they have a few favorable matchups coming up uh, within these next few games where I think Floyd's going to be able to take advantage of it, but I think Fangio needs to start using him a little bit better
2: well and I noticed a lot of times in this against the Steelers not only was it Floyd but whoever it was on the opposite side was also dropping into coverage, um, doing a lot of three man rushes trying to really just flood the zones uh, the you know flood the passing lanes and not give uh, Roethlisberger anywhere to throw to. I think that kind of was the strategy. I figured, you know, they, they, Evangel probably figured they get to Roethlisberger occasionally. But even when you get to Roethlisberger, that's that's only half the. Uh, you know, have to have to deal. It's hard to get him down, and often he can make plays. So I think the strategy was let's get more guys into the into these zones, into these passing lanes, and make it difficult for them to you know uh, to hit them deep. I mean, you're able to drop the safeties back way deep if you have a whole bunch of guys in the underneath zones. So. Uh, you know that helped them limit the the, the deep passing game that, that that the Steelers have been so successful with. But yeah, you're not. I, I agree. I think Leonard Floyd is going to come around. We saw flashes of it. We saw it in the preseason. We saw it in training camp. Uh, it, it's disappointing that when he does get the one-on-one opportunities, he hasn't made the most of them so far. But. Uh, I think those. I think that'll come, and if it doesn't, we'll we'll uh, we'll have more criticisms uh, criticisms of him down the line. But overall, I thought uh, you know the defense as a whole played very well. Give it uh, credit to Danny Trevathan filling in for uh, you know with Kwiatkowski, Andrew Freeman being out. Trevathan led the team with ten tackles, had a very strong game as well. And I thought a- Akeem Hicks played well against the run, as did the entire defense. I mean, I think. Uh, i'm looking right now 70 total rushing yards for the steelers in that game and this is with uh, one of the best running backs in the nfl and Le'Veon bell so i i think this this bears defense even though they keep getting hit with injuries um They were pretty unstayed in this one, but I think so far they're an underrated unit, and this is the the, the side of the obviously the side of the football that's going to carry this team going forward. Now, you combine that with the third phase dominating in every game. Now, you have an opportunity to win football games, even if Mike Glennon is horrible. And we kind of saw that again. I mean, I mean, again, it wasn't like he was just, you know, he had a, a you know, I think he only had one, one turnover, correct, which was a bad interception, but um, he didn't have another three interception game, which helped the Bears stay in the contest, but, you know, when it, when it came time for Lennon to, to do something with the football, he consistently did nothing with the football, dinked and dunked his way through this game, and I believe he had under, if, I, if I, my numbers were correct in the, in the piece I did yesterday, he had under five yards per attempt, Am I correct? 4.6. Yeah, yeah. So it, it just keeps getting uh, lower and lower every week, it seems like. I mean, how much – are we still looking at, at week five for uh, Trubisky? Well,
3: I, I, love, I love the fact that you're like, well, he, he only turned the ball over one time. Only turned the ball over <laughs> one time. It's like – I mean, that's where we're at right now. I mean, the thing is, is okay, yeah, he as far as statistically, yeah, he didn't have as bad of a game as he did last week at Tampa Bay. But let's be honest here. I mean, the dude cannot throw the ball downfield. I, I don't understand, and I need to go back and look at the old 22. But, I mean, we're talking about a guy that is just refusing to look downfield. I mean, he's just any sort of pressure on him whatsoever he's either a taking the sack or freaking out and that's the one thing that just made me laugh yesterday is him trying to take off running a few times like all right dude let's just not even try that because that just looks bad but you're looking at you know his completion percentage i think it's like right around 67 percent for the year and it's like oh wow that's actually really good and then you look at his his average per throw and it's like 5.3 and it's i think that's 30th in the league right now and it's like man that's that's awful i mean his qbr was 19.6 and his overall rating was 74.2 but i mean they just they had one completion to a receiver and that came to deontay thompson on a third and 16 with under six minutes left to go in the game for a nine-yard gain i mean up until that point he hadn't even completed a catch to a receiver granted i thought that uh you know that wheaton had i'd characterized one of those as a drop I, I think that deep throw i think he was getting interfered with a little bit and that was going to be a tough catch i won't fault him for that but that one across the middle i think he should have caught but i mean you're talking about a quarterback who is not finding his receivers at all i mean you're talking i mean let's just go back and look at who he targeted uh you know who caught the ball jordan howard had five catches tariq cohen had four catches benny cunningham had three catches so right there you're looking at 12 catches 12 catches out of the 15 that were that were made, went to running backs. And you have Zach Miller and Adam Shaheen both had catches, and then Deontay Thompson was the other one. You're talking about 101 yards. He had 84 net yards after the two sacks that he took. Th- that's not acceptable. That is not acceptable under any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, but if anything, yesterday should show the Bears that even with competent quarterback play, they're two and one right now, and they're a team trending in the right direction. But the fact that they have Mike Glennon under center, where your offensive coordinator is obviously scheming around you because he knows that you cannot throw the ball downfield and that you're going to make mistakes. I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, they ran the ball, and this is something I am a fan of. They ran the ball 38 times at 220 yards. I mean, it was a 5.8 average. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy that they don't trust to make throws at all. I mean, and we're not even just talking, you uh, you know, down the field. We're talking throws in general. I mean, the one throw that he had where it was seventeen fourteen, they they needed a long drive. He throws an interception. I mean, that that throw to Zach Miller, it was a it was an option route. He could have gone either broke in or out. There was three guys around him. You don't throw the ball regardless. He misread it. He throws an interception. And then on that uh, the, the last drive before they went into the uh, went into overtime. I mean, there was another one. I mean, he threw a a ball way wide of Deontay Thompson, and it was almost picked by Mike Mitchell. It's like I mean, that right there. I mean, just think about that. If that that interception would have happened we'd be talking about a, a, a loss for one and we'd be talking about what is he doing i mean that would have been one touchdown two interceptions is still the same amount of yards i mean he is becoming a huge issue and i go back and i look and i think the last time that we saw something this limited and this crappy was uh jimmy clausen under under adam Gates for that one that one game in seattle and that was against really good defense but think about it Matt Barkley and Brian Hoyer were able to run the 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 offense much better than Mike Glennon. What are they doing? I understand, okay, cool, you're not going to start them on, on four days' notice. I think John Fox made that pretty apparent today. But after that, I mean, you're looking at a team right now that should be 2-1, and one, that has a decent amount of talent all around. I get the receivers aren't there, but a good quarterback or even an average quarterback right now – and this team is at least, I would say, like I said, seven and seven and nine, eight and eight. But uh, I think the quarterback is a huge issue. And as a fan, from a fan's perspective, watching these games is painful, especially when the Bears are on offense. I mean, this is this is worse than Lovie Smith's offenses. I mean, this is this is beyond that.
2: Yeah, and I was, out, you know, I, there's a few things that I can defend Glennon for. And like you mentioned, the two passes to Marcus Wheaton both hit him in the hands. I really think he should have caught that deep ball. and I think that might have changed things overall, and and kind of opened up uh, Pittsburgh's defense a little bit more, and not had them flood the box as much as they were able to do. Uh, <clears throat> but you know, you're right. I, I, you know, it's it's difficult to defend him when. You know, and you, you see it. Oh, you saw it over and over in the game. Those. I. I don't think that it's a matter of Dow Loggins calling plays or being afraid to call plays for Glennon to go downfield. I think it's Glennon afraid to go downfield. And I, I think you saw it over and over. I mean, he would look downfield, and he'd he'd almost be ready to throw. And then you know, at the last second, he he'd pull it back in and just. Go to the check down option. I mean, over and over we saw it in that game. We've seen it over the last three games. It's like you can tell his first option is downfield. And he just can't pull the trigger on it. And maybe the guys aren't open. Maybe maybe those receivers aren't getting open. I and mean, I'm not looking at every All-22 play. And they don't have the best receivers out there. I'll, I'll give them that. Guys are dropping passes. You know, we were talking about how great it was going to have Wheaton back. And he comes out and, and puts up a Drusek. So, uh, you know, I don't know who 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 the go-to guy out, out there is for him other than his running backs and his tight ends. But even then, you know, Zach Miller only one catch. Adam Shaheen, that, that one catch in the end zone. Good to see them use Shaheen finally in the red zone. Uh, but, you know, this this passing attack for as long as Glennon is going to be out there appears to be a dink and dunk system that's going to rely heavily on the ability of Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen to get yards after the catch. It is what it is. And it, and if they decide to continue going forward down this road with Glennon, I don't I don't think it's going to change. And I think, like, like we talked about, if, if this is going to be the case... Then everything else is going to have to go right. The Bears are going to have to rush for 200 yards every game. The Bears' defense is going to have to limit one of the best offenses to less than 300 total yards. The special teams is going to have to play perfect. And then they're going to maybe win these games in overtime. You know what I mean? Like, then maybe they have a chance to win it while this continues with Mike Lennon. So I think the Bears know what the Bears see, what we see, the Bears see what the fans see. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen this week, not on a a short rest, but I do think that you're right. I I think your prediction for Week 5 is spot on, and I think that they know that that Mitch Trubisky is going to give them a little bit more opportunity to score some points, even with this this horrible group of receivers that they have. I think just uh, Trubisky's mobility, his ability to extend plays, avoid the pass rush, uh, you know, get to the stretch handoff. I mean, they had a blown play yesterday where it looked like Glennon just wasn't fast enough to get to, to meet the running back at the at the uh, you know at the handoff point. So uh, you know, a, you know, Trubisky running the football uh, out wide, you know, with throwing on the run, that's that's a dangerous thing for opposing defenses. That's not even an option right now uh, for the Bears with Mike Glennon out there. So I think the Bears know it. It'd be ridiculous for them to keep forward, and I think. A really good example of why this is un, totally unnecessary uh, beyond this week with the short week against the Packers. If this were to continue, uh, it, it would be ridiculous. Because look at what Deshaun Watson did uh, down at, down in Houston. Almost beat the defending champions, and Tom Brady had to throw five touchdown passes and one with the time running out to beat the, the Texans. Otherwise, Deshaun Watson went out there and pretty much you know beat the, beat the New England Patriots. I know that. Um, you know, all these rookie quarterbacks are dealing with turnovers. Deshaun Kaiser uh, had another three turnover game, but again he had three touchdowns himself. So these rookies are out there making plays and you have to think that this time that time that they're getting right now, try you know, especially Watson and Kaiser, the other two uh the top quarterbacks in this year's draft, that's gonna do them well. And I think that the Bears realize that they see what's going on. I don't think it doesn't matters what they paid, Lennon. I think you're right. We're gonna see him in a couple of weeks. And then they didn't have a whole lot more options on offense.
3: Yeah, I agree. I I think Thing is, is with Trubisky, you know, he's gonna he's gonna make mistakes, but that's something that you can live with. And I think that's kind of where Cleveland and Houston are right now. Is th- these guys are gonna make mistakes, they are gonna grow, but it's also something that you can live with. Now, I would like to switch gears real quick before this podcast ends. Something I cannot live with. Look, we got to talk about this Marcus Cooper play. What oh, yeah. the oh, yeah. heck happened? <laughs> I've never seen it. I, I'm sitting. I'm still blown away. I watched it again today, and it still pissed me off. I couldn't. I couldn't yeah. watch it.
2: Well, I, somebody said it was the uh, in our uh, bear report chat the dumbest play in Bears history. I think tearing your ACL after sacking Jimmy Garoppolo, who was the backup quarterback, and like what was it like a thirty nine seven blowout loss? I think that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen a Bears player do, uh, Lamar Houston. But yeah, the, that Marcus Cooper play that was right that was a close second and it's hard to watch man i mean he said he thought he was in the end zone i'm not buying it he was he he reached that ball out he didn't think anybody was near him and he was gonna you know showboat his way into the end zone and it it nearly cost the bears the game i mean it, it probably should have in a lot of ways but uh i don't know well i don't know what he was thinking it, it it it's shocking and it's and it's it's maddening and you have people right now calling for his head they want even though he played uh probably one of the best games from a cornerback we've seen in years people want him cut right now bears fans are calling for him to be cut i mean where do you stand on
3: that you know i will openly admit when he when he made that play i said don't even put him out on the field anymore cut him and obviously that was a gross overreaction but i man, i just i could not believe i couldn't believe it i mean yeah he he played well uh, but I also kind of wonder where the accountability aspect comes in. I mean, that's just something that that's something you expect from the, the Mark Trestman era, not the John Fox era. So hopefully that will at least be an eye opener, uh, because, I mean, honestly, I, that, I, I think that was a turning point in the game to where uh, they could have lost that. And that, that brings me to my last point. I'll make it quick is the fact that. This is a game that the Bears would have lost last year, or the year before. I mean, no doubt about it. They would have completely imploded at some point in time, and they would have lost that game. So, I think it kind of goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the season. This is a better team than people realize, and I think the biggest thing holding it back right now is the quarterback situation and the fact that they're going to have to play near perfect in a lot of ways to be able to win games. But I also think that you've you've seen two games where they've. I mean, they played Atlanta closer than anybody. Well, I guess the Lions played them pretty close as well, but they they played Atlanta really close they should have won that game they beat the Steelers i mean if you look at it there's uh, what the the Falcons are 3-0 the Steelers are 2-1 and then the Bucks are 1-1 so i mean there's two losses between the three teams that they played so far so i mean they've had a really tough schedule and we'll get into this next podcast but i mean they have a chance to go two and two i'm not saying it's going to happen i don't think it will but they have a chance to go two and two in one of the rougher four game stretches that i've ever seen for the bears and i think that's a that's a decent positive
2: yeah, I think if you would have said the Bears were going to come out of the first three games one and two, I would I would have been I would have been okay with that, knowing how difficult the start of the schedule is. And this next podcast, we will talk about uh, the, the upcoming game against the, the uh, Green Bay Packers. But last thing I want to mention, Tariq Cohen, that run he had at the end of the game in overtime was one of the best runs I've ever seen. His foot was in bounds. I'm shocked that they, they, they did not reverse that. But uh, I think his what he brings in compliment to Jordan Howard is is what makes that uh, that backfield so dangerous. We'll get into that a little bit more in the next podcast, but that's it for this one, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Aaron on Twitter at AaronLemmingNFL. Lem- Give me a follow at Bear Report. Check out all our work at BearReport.com as well as the Bear Report Facebook page. If you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and come talk to us every day on the Bear Report message boards. That's it, guys. next podcast we will be previewing this short week game against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night. We'll talk soon.